Family, God is good. I absolutely love Sundays. I love being here with you. Um, I call Sunday as fun day because it is so fun to be with you guys. And I want to welcome those watching online, wherever you are, that we get to jump in to week two of our teaching series, The Unseen Realm. But before we jump in, let me get a disclaimer. My throat is on fire. (laughs) Uh, I was yelling at the football game on Friday night. On top of that, uh, I was preaching pretty hard (laughs) at our 9 a.m. service. And so, Lord willing, you just have to deal with a strange voice today, okay? We are jumping into part two of our series, The Unseen Realm. The reality is that there is an enemy of our soul that we cannot see. There are angelic beings that we cannot see. There are demonic beings that we cannot see. There are two realms, the physical realm, which you and I have eyes to see, but we don't see what's behind the curtain. And that's what this series is about. It's leading us into a direction of understanding that there is a war for your soul. And we must become aware of it, but also live into the power that God has for us to face this world. Amen? And so this morning, I am still your pastor, but I'm your professor. And I know if I'm going to give you everything I need to give you, we will be here until after the Lions make a really close call, then blow it in the fourth quarter. (laughs) That's how long we would be here this morning. I don't even know if they play today. Do they play today? Okay, the Patriots. We'll pray for them. So I'm going to do my best to have six conversations with you this morning to put into pieces of understanding the enemy of our soul. Six conversations, and I know I'm going to be all over scripture, which is a good thing because the scripture is going to reveal behind the curtain, if you will. But you're going to have to take notes and thank God for technology that we can rewatch things. And this may be one of those messages where like, I missed that one note because he went so fast to get Last week, as we launched into this teaching series, we, we hunkered down on this book of Ephesus, and we have to understand this, that Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 reads this way, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. That is what we are up against. The spiritual evil forces in the heavens. It ain't against that person. There's evil behind that person. Make sense? And so last week we launched this framework for us to understand what Jesus and the New Testament writers had to say about the evil behind the evil. This is what the framework looked like. We said that Jesus definitely talks about this idea that there is a devil who comes after us with deceptive ideas and lies that's played into our flesh 
that is, has disordered loves and desires. That it's a sinful desire. It sounds good. This will make me happy. Why do I feel like that? Even though the spirit is telling me this is the way of Jesus. It's that tug of war. All the enemy of our soul has to do is whisper deceptive ideas, deceptive lies that play to that disordered love or that disordered uh, desire that eventually gets normalized in a sinful society called the world. And so that's our framework. And today I want to turn our sights specifically to the left side. And we're going to understand the enemy of our soul, the devil. I don't want to linger too long on the devil because I honestly don't care about him. Because God is more victorious than the devil. But I do think there are reasons why the biblical writers tell us ideas about the devil. I I think we have to know what we're up against and then live into the power that God has given us. So today we're going to be six conversations, but before we get to the six, and I'm going to go through them quick, as best as I can, and as long as my throat's willing. There are a lot of misconceptions around the person and nature of the devil. Take, for instance, these three. The devil has horns. The devil must be red. And he's carrying a little pitchfork around. And probably he's got a little pointy tail. All right. We have two people to think For this idea and this misconception of the devil, we get to think the medieval people. During the medieval times, they brought the theater to culture. And language and culture was birthed through the theater in the ancient world. And so in order to mock the devil in plays, they gave him horns which was also found based on the book of Revelation when they talk about a dragon, the devil, having horns. That's where we get the horns idea. Then they said, how else can we mock the devil? Let's give him just a crazy bright color. They gave him red. So what does that have anything to do? Nothing. The devil's not red. It was just as a mockery in the medieval times. And then... They gave the devil a pitchfork. Why a pitchfork? Because in the ancient world, we must understand that there was a Greek god of the underworld known as Hades. Hades is always depicted with a trident in his hands. So if the devil is from hell, the underworld, let's give the devil something to hold. And if Hades holds a trident, let's make it a pitchfork. Hence, now we have the misconception of the devil. And then thank you, Hollywood. And then thank you, every Halloween store we have in America. Messes our theology up. The devil may have horns. I don't think he does, but he may. I don't think he's red. And I'm pretty sure he does not walk around with a pitchfork just having fun with a pitchfork. I do know this, what Paul writes about the devil. He writes to the church in Corinth, and this is what he says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. And no wonder, for Satan, which is the Greek word satanus, 
which just means adversary, the one who is against the will of God. This is why Peter says, with Jesus and Peter, Peter, or Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Why was he able to tell Peter that? Because Satan just means the one opposed to God's will and plan. So that's what he's telling Peter. Hey, Satan. Hey, Peter, I know you're the leader, but Peter, Satan, in this moment, stop. You're a mouthpiece mouthpiece right now for the devil. Stop it. You're opposing the will and plan of God. Then he says, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of what, friends? Oh. So if an angel of light probably doesn't have horns red and a pitchfork, because that's counterintuitive to God's word. He's a deceptive angel of light. He is a master deceiver, appearing beautiful and tempting the creatures and creation of God. Here's what's fascinating in America. 61% of Americans believe the devil actually exists. 43% of Americans believe the devil is just a symbol of evil or it's, he's just a symbol of humanity's inhumanity. That he's not actually real. He's just, he's that symbol of evil in the world. It's how the world explains. But I do know this. God's word paints for us a different picture. And they give, God's word, it's like looking This will just expose truth. That's what I love about God's word. It exposes the truth. And I want to dive into this today to figure out who is this limited, defeated enemy known as the devil, and how do we live and counteract him? Because Peter writes this. Peter says this. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, which is translated opponent or enemy, your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can what, friends? He's looking to destroy all of God's creation. What God called good and very good, the devil wants to oppose everything that God says is good. I'm looking to destroy it and looking looking at creation and all humanity is created in the image of God. You and I are image Heirs of God, imago Dei, which is the theological term, imago Dei, image bearers, no wonder why he wants to attack the image bearers and destroy your soul. Go against the one thing of all creation that resembles God, and he's going after you. So, we want to know who is he and what does he do? What does he do? Who is he and what does he do? So turn to your neighbor and say, take good notes for me. Let's have our six conversations. Here we go. Number one, let's try to understand what the devil's assignment was. We want to understand the original assignment of the devil. This is found in two parts, but the first part, we're going to look at a prophet known as Ezekiel. Before he became the devil, before he became who we know him to be today, What was he before? And he had an assignment. See, the prophet Ezekiel is going and bringing a prophecy against the prince of Tyre. And he's speaking out against the prince of Tyre. 
And he looks past the prince of Tyre to the king of Tyre, which is the satanic power behind the evil. So he looks at this prince, this human, and says, hey, listen, there's some bad things that are going to happen. You keep doing what you're doing, bad things. But then then it's like he pulls the curtain back. He's like, listen, the reason why you're doing those bad things is because there's a king of Tyre that's evil. And he's like making you a puppet. He's doing the bad things behind the curtain. And so this is what he says. And you and I get a glimpse of the first assignment of the devil. Reads this way. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, lament for the king of Tyre. And say to him, this is what the Lord God says. You were the seal of what, friends? Oh, wow, look at this word, perfection. Full of what? Wisdom and perfect in. Immediately, we learn about this, the devil's high status before the fall. The devil is a spiritual being of great perfection, a being full of wisdom and full of this incredible beauty. That is who he is. The devil, then the next statement, and we're going to get more into what the devil was actually adorned with, this beauty and splendor. You were in Eden, the garden of Eden. This will also be why many of your biblical scholars will say this can't, this is why it's not really the true king of Tyre because this is written hundreds of years later after creation. The only way is a spiritual being is in the garden. He says, remember back to creation? You were in the garden. Every kind of precious stone covered you. Cornelian, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise, and emerald. Some of those are in the breastplates of the, of the Israelite priests. You are adorned with beauty. Your, your mountains, which is translated as timbrels or tambourines, and settings, which are known as the pipes or flutes, were crafted in gold. They were prepared on the day you were created. You had it all. And some biblical scholars, this is where we get the idea that the devil before his fall was the worship leader around the throne room of God. You had instruments made of gold. You had a job to do. You were beautiful. You were full of perfection. You had this wisdom to you. And then he says, you were an anointed guardian cherub, which is an angel. For I had appointed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked among the fiery stones, which can be another translation for the divine counsel or angelic beings. You were there. You were there. He had the privilege of being an angelic being surrounding the throne of God. Cherub, if you read and you read cherub, cherubs were angelic beings around the throne room of God. Many of them had wings, multiple wings. Scripture tells us they got eyes covering the wings. I'll be honest, I don't want to see one. (laughs) Sounds really interesting. Don't want to see one though. But he says, that's what you were. 
You were anointed guardian cherub. You had the instruments. By the way, you were appointed by God. This is why he created you. To be in his throne room, guardian. Say holy, holy, worshiping the king. What happened? Something happened. This was his assignment. This was it. Created. And you you ask if he was that close to God, what happened? Which leads us into our second conversation. The devil's rebellion. Because it won't stay forever like that. The devil's rebellion. The rest of Ezekiel will go back. He explains more. But the prophet Isaiah gives us a beautiful glimpse as well. In Isaiah chapter 14, Isaiah is a prophet. It's one of the prophetic books. And he's pronouncing judgment on the king of Babylon. The evil behind the evil. And this is what he says in Isaiah chapter 14. He reads, it reads this way. Well, shining morning star. Or maybe your translation says, oh, great morning star. See, the original text, the Old Testament's written in one language, Hebrew. The original language of the Old Testament, Hebrew. We have the New Testament, and it's 27 books. Original language, Greek, with a little bit of Aramaic in there. What they did is let's take all the Hebrew, all the Greek, and translate it to Latin. And we translate it all to Latin because that's the common language at the time. And in the translation to Latin, the Latin word appears here for shining morning star as Lucifer. There's where you get the name. The morning star, this bright star, just is translated in Latin as Lucifer, meaning light bearer. I love at the end of of Revelation, Jesus actually says, I am the bright morning star. It's awesome. God is awesome. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's awesome. And then we're going to get five I will statements from the devil. Because look, he says, oh, shining morning star, how you've fallen from the heavens You destroyer of the nations, you've been cut down to the ground. And then we get the reason why. Five I am statements come from the devil. You said to yourself, I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars of God. You get this idea that he wants to be in charge. I will I will. And I want to say this. I believe it can be very satanic when you see something clearly in God's word and say, I don't like it. I want to do it differently in my way. You have the mentality of the devil at that point. He was in worship. He was around the throne room. And what does he say? I don't like that. I want to go higher than you. I want your place. And what we've done today is make this read what we want. Not bow the knee to it. Say, I don't get it all. 
wish there were some different things in here. I really do. I'm going to have a long talk with Jesus for a while in heaven. I didn't like that part. I don't like that. Hey, Jesus, right here. You know, the red letters in the Bible. I hope I get to have a Bible in heaven. Sit down with Jesus and be like, this part right here. Jesus, I know you said it. It's in red in my Bible. It's in red. I never understood why you said it. Because I wish it would have been easier this way. And you, when we begin to change God's word, because we don't like it and we want it to say something else, we adopt the mentality of the devil. And we look, it's like he looked at God's rule and reign and says, I will not apply that in my life. I will rise above it and do what I want to do. I will set up my throne above the stars. And then he goes on, I will sit on the mount of God's assembly in the remotest parts of the north. The north just means as high as we can go. And then he says, I will ascend above the highest clouds. Watch this last I will statement. I will make myself like the most high. There is only one person and his name is God and he is the most high. And the devil says, I'm going to make myself like him. No, you're not. Because God's got other plans. He says, I'm God. I'm in charge. I created you to be around my throne room. To exalt me. But instead, because of free will, you will rebel. Then he says this, but you will be brought down to Sheol into the deepest regions of the pit. Sheol is the Jewish worldview of the pits of hell, the deepest, darkest parts of the world is known as Sheol to the Jews in their worldview. Ezekiel goes on. Ezekiel's going to go on (laughs) and tell us also what filled his heart. Here's what I love about this story. I think it's absolutely crazy that the devil could look at God in his infinite power and wisdom and that is unmatched, by the way, and still think, I can do what I want to do. Sounds like a lot of, a lot of people today. I'll do what I want to do. Ezekiel says this. We'll go back to Ezekiel. From the day you were created, you were blameless in your way until wickedness was found in you. All those I wills, self-exaltation. Lift yourself up, man. You were blameless. Through the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I expelled you in disgrace from the mountain of God. Now, it's also known in the ancient world that they believe that on mountains are where the gods lived because it was so high into the sky that they believe that's where the gods lived, were the mountains. And I banished you, guardian cherub. You were around the throne. And I banished you from among the fiery stones, the divine council, those angelic beings. And then Ezekiel says, your heart became proud because of your beauty. You allowed pride to sneak into your heart because you were so beautiful. And this is why we get pride goes before the fall. You became prideful. 
for the sake of your splendor. Your splendor, you corrupted your wisdom. Because you wanted it. You wanted to be higher than God. You corrupted your wisdom. So I threw you down to the ground. I made a a spectacle before kings. And then in the New Testament, we get Jesus actually speaking about this. He was there. What's awesome about Jesus is we often think only Christmas time Jesus is actually here. Listen, Jesus was there at the beginning of creation. What is Jesus known as? The word. What did God do? He spoke the word. It said all creation came through Jesus, as the New Testament writers would say. And the spirit of the Lord hovered over the deep, dark waters. You have all three of the Trinity right there in creation. Jesus, yes, does come at Christmas time. Not December 25th that we celebrate, but another time in the calendar. And Jesus says, I was right here. In fact, Luke records this, Jesus' own words. He, Jesus, said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like what, friends? Isn't that awesome? He was like, dude, I saw it. I had special access. I was there. And it was pretty cool. You know, if I said, oh, look at that lightning. Oh, you missed it. Because lightning strikes fast, right? I watched Satan fall from heaven like that. Because God says, I will not put up with that. Boom. Even though he fell. Listen, what I loved about this is he turns the gifts given to him and he's began to worship the gifts instead of the gift giver. He wanted the praise. He's supposed to usher in the praise. He wanted praise. See, the devil preferred self-exaltation over God exaltation. We exalt one name, and his name is Jesus. And the devil in that moment said, no, me. Me, 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 me. I'm sitting there going, I see that played out in culture today. Me, 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 me. Doesn't fit my schedule. I don't want to do that. I, I, when are we ever going to be people that bend our knee and say, God, it's always you. God, 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 God. Not me, 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 or I. It's you. His heavenly assignment now was over. He's cast down. But please listen. But his power was still at play. Leads us to the devil's authority. You see, the devil, as Peter said, is here roaring, prowling around like a lion, ready to devour you. His heavenly assignment's done, but he's after you. And we must know these three important principles in this moment. Number one, the devil is not, the devil is not all-powerful. God is. Know that, amen? These are three amens that are coming, by the way, just to warn you. All right, I'm I'm setting you up like a volleyball player. You're going to spike at home. This is the theology known as omnipotent. means God is all-powerful. The devil is limited. He is not all-powerful. God is. The devil is not all-knowing. God is. 
the devil doesn't know everything. He knows he's defeated, but he doesn't know how your life is going to get played out. He just knows he hates you. God is all-knowing, which is the theological term omniscient. He's all-knowing. God knows it all. And the devil is not everywhere. God is. Which is known as omnipresent. God is everywhere. I think sometimes we give the devil a little too much credit. He's not there. He's one person. But the presence of God is everywhere. He's wherever he is. But he does have fallen a third, according to the book of Revelation, a third of the angelical beings with free will rebelled with the devil. And they're demonic beings now that try to do his work. They're working and doing their thing, but we serve a mighty powerful God. Amen? Come on. So, if you're traveling and you get a flat tire because you ran over a nail in the road and you say, well, the devil put the nail there. Maybe there's just a nail there and your car hit the nail. (laughs) Does that make sense? Right? The devil's not behind every bush. He's one person and he's limited. The devil is limited and defeated. He's not everywhere, but our Savior is. All right, my throat's hurting now. All right, turn your neighbor and just say, calm down. (laughs) Is this all making sense? I'm your professor today. In his reign, right now, is this world. Until one day he's forever thrown into the abyss. He's prowling now. We're going to give you four quick statements from the book, First John and the Gospel of John, that talks about where the rule and reign of the devil is now. John writes this. We know that we are of God. Praise Jesus Christ. You are a son and you are a daughter. You are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ when you enter into salvation. Hey, let's live into that power and authority now. Woo! That's a whole nother teaching. Maybe I'll sweat less during that one. And the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. John, now the judgment of this world, now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. A little more, sorry. I will not talk with you much longer. This is Jesus speaking. Because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. Come on. Know that. This is why we got to know God's word. He has no power over you. You are claimed and covered by the blood of Jesus. You have the power and presence of Holy Spirit in your life. Woo! And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. The devil's rule is subordinate to God's rule. The devil is not sovereign. God is sovereign. And in the midst of it, by golly, our God can use the evil work for his good. Just ask poor Job. (laughs) Job 1 and 2. says God actually looks at Job and it says Job is full of integrity. 
He fears the Lord. There's nothing wrong. In Job chapter one, it says God is with the sons of God, the angelic beings, and the devil appears. And God says, what are you doing here? The devil says, ah, I've been walking around the world. And God goes, have you thought about my servant Job? And that's one of those scriptures I don't like. Because I'm fearful sometimes that maybe it says, have you thought about my servant Ryan? Because he walks in integrity. But God is bigger. And God tells the devil in that moment, fine, you can have it. Because the devil says, oh, surely he's going to fall. He'll curse you. And he says this in Job chapter 1, verse 12. He says, very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. You cannot touch because I'm sovereign and I have power over you. You will not touch Job. But you can have his stuff. So the devil goes and destroys his stuff. He destroys all his livestock, cattle, kills his sons and daughters. Causes the house to collapse on him. And Job still stands in integrity. Job 2, same thing. God's with his angelic beings. Satan shows up. What are you doing here, devil? I've been prowling around the world. Have you considered my servant, Job? Because it didn't work last time. Why? He's a man of integrity. He knows who I am. He won't fall. And the devil says, oh, surely he will curse you. He says, oh, you know what? Very well, the Lord said, told Satan. He is in your power. This time, only spare his life. You cannot kill my servant. But he's in your power. And man, does Job go through hell on earth. But he does not get shaken because he knows my God is in control and then oh I got to read this this is good let me read this this just came to me then get this get this it says in Job the last chapter of Job then Job replied to the Lord I know that you can do anything and no plan of yours can be thwarted 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 whatever that word is Nothing can stop your plan because you're sovereign. And I'm still here and I know you used the evil of what Satan wanted to do in my life. And then at the end it says, I will, God says this, because his servant Job stood. He says, I will surely accept his prayer because he stood. Because Job was a man of integrity. Let me ask you, Christ follower, are you a man or woman of integrity? That God says, man, go and don't attest my servant because they will not stumble for you. They won't. And then it says this, the Lord accepted Job's prayer. It's powerful what God used as evil. And the devil's plans for his good. And then Job 
died. Watch this. Old. <laughs> I like that it throws that in there. It's like, well, duh. <laughs> then Job died. Old and full of days. Because the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The authority's limited. The devil is not God. He does not have a free hand in the world, but he is active in the world. God has him on a leash. Mm -mm. You don't get to touch his life. Which leads us to what is his activity. We looked at last week the nature of the devil through Jesus' words. You are of, the, of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. Remember who he's talking to if you were here last week. He's talking to the Jews that finally believed in him. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is the liar and the father of lies. The devil comes at you with deceptive ideas and lies. And I love what Jesus says. He was there from the what? Beginning. Let me quickly take you to Genesis chapter 3 where we get the story of Adam and Eve, this man and this woman, and this snake. Genesis chapter 3. Creation has happened. God has called creation good and man very good because he's in the image of God. Now, the serpent was the most what, friends? Was the most cunning. Maybe your translation says shrewd or uh, crafty. Of all the wild animals the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? You see, the devil may be cunning. The devil may be crafty. But he's still using the exact same techniques that he did at the beginning of creation. Let me just take God's truth and twist it. Let me just take a deceptive idea, a deceptive lie, and try to plant it inside of you. Hey, woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of it, of the garden, God said, you must not eat it. I think he said also, touch it, or you will die. God never said touch it, just said don't eat it. See how the devil got into her head? Did God really say? And then the woman, I'm getting the question. Uh, uh, yeah, he said eat it and touch it. No, look at the serpent. You will not certainly die. Oh, yes, you will. God said you would. You won't die, the serpent said. First of all, why is it a serpent? I mean, anyone find this story slightly weird that a woman's talking to a snake? Right? Is there anyone? Right? But what'd this thing look like? Right? Because we know eventually the curse on the serpent would be you're going to crawl on the belly the rest of your life. So this thing is not on its belly yet. It's got legs. It's got wings. 
Like, what is this thing? And it's not our beautiful little paintings of the garden and Eve and this little snake with an apple. First of all, it probably wasn't an apple. I think my guess is it's like a pomegranate or something. It's really hard to grow apple trees in the ancient world, just so you know. Okay. Now we're throwing away all this stuff because now Pastor Ryan says it's not this little snake, cute snake. No, it had to have something, right? It had to have something. And then he says, in fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you'll look like, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. No wonder why the devil said that. That was part of his rebellion. He wanted to be like God. He wanted his throne room above the stars of God. And he says, hey, woman, don't forget, you'll be like him. He's holding back on you. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. And that it was what, friends? It's desirable for obtaining wisdom. I want that. Exactly when Satan fell from his heavenly assignment. I will. And the woman, it's desirable. I want it. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Let me take a quick moment. Who sinned? Yes, the man and the woman. So I remember being in high school saying, ha ha, women, you sinned first. Knock it off. Who's right there in the middle of it? What does it say? He was with her. Dudes, we're just that fault is the woman. And he ate it. He didn't have to eat it. He chose to eat it. Eat it. Eat it also. Eat it also. He chose that. It's humanity that fell in this moment. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They were walking with God in perfection in the garden. They had it all, just like the devil had it all. And they blew it. Because all the devil has to do is give you that deceptive idea and lie. Play it to your flesh, your sinful part of you that has a disordered love and desire. Oh, that is desirable for wisdom. I want it. And then sin enters, which leads us To the devil's abyss and worship team make your way up in this moment the devil is prowling around here but one day he will forever and ever and ever be chained up and locked away forever in the book of Revelation chapter 20 we get this picture the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And God comes and we'll have our resurrected heavenly bodies. God will create the new heavens and the new earth. And we will reign with him forever. And the devil will be defeated and remain there day and night forever and ever. There's an issue. We don't live there yet. We live in the now. 
Jesus hasn't made his second coming and brought us back home. And I'm comforted by these words. For 1 John 4, 4 reads this way. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That God is greater. The spirit of God that rests inside of you is greater than the devil who prowls around this world. And then a chapter earlier, since the son of God, Jesus, was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's work. We don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy of our soul because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Nothing, nothing the devil is and nothing the devil can offer compares to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing. And he will try to trip you up. But praise God, the tomb is empty and the spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives here. Praise God. So I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I told you I'm your professor. So we don't have full time to unpack this. But I want to know as disciples of Jesus Christ, how did, how did Jesus attack how did Jesus resist devil? So your homework assignment is, I want you to read Luke 4, 1 through 13. And the way you and I, we're not going to unpack all of that. That's the homework assignment. The way you and I resist the devil is through what's known as the spiritual practices or the spiritual disciplines. Because we get a glimpse of what Jesus did when the devil tempted him. Real quick. Then Jesus left the Jordan. Can we read those five words together? Full of the Holy Spirit. You must be immersed and filled with the presence and power of God to walk this life out after Christ Jesus. To be led by the Spirit. To walk by the Spirit. That's what we're called to do, to awaken to more of our faith. There's so much more. And God's saying, I can't wait to dump it on you guys. That's why I wore my shirt awaken. There you go, all right? There's an awakening. And Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. For 40 days, Jesus got alone in the wilderness and spent time with his Father, full of the Spirit. Some quiet prayer. And for 40 days, he didn't eat. What do we call that, friends, when we don't eat? Fasting. He fasted for 40 days, and as soon as the fasting was up, the devil tempted him. And at the end of this month and into November, we will do a 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we'll get into that soon. And then the tempting happens. And in verse 4, when he was tempted by the devil, it says, But Jesus answered him, It is written, 
And then he spoke the word of God. The devil tempts him again in verse 8. It says, and Jesus answered him, the devil, it is written. And then in verse 12, and Jesus answered him, it is said. And he combats the devil with prayer and fasting. And he comes with it, immersed in God's word, knowing the truth. Because the devil brings lies, God's word brings truth. So it's quiet prayer and fasting and being immersed in scripture. So when the lie does come, you and I know exactly what this life-changing book says. We could say, I'm not going to believe in that lie. I won't believe in it. Because I know my God, and I know his truth, and I know his word. Radiant Reflections this week will unpack a little bit of those spiritual disciplines in greater detail I don't have time to go into right now. Because our bellies are all really hungry at this moment. They'll unpack it this week. I highly recommend listening to the podcast because our podcast now as we relaunched it digs into the, the message deeper that we just don't have time for. But I know this. No matter what the devil throws our way, Jesus will not fail. Amen? May Jesus Christ be your firm foundation in this world that he will lead us guide us and whatever the devil throws at us we will not be shaken we will be people of integrity that stands on the word of god amen